This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. Amen. We are, I'm going to wrap up my portion this evening of the topic that we've been discussing, and that is uh, authority. And again, we started out by talking about the importance of authority, understanding who has the authority, um, wanting to value authority. And I hope uh, with these lessons that you've heard so far, there's more to come. But uh, up to this point, I hope that you have a different view if you had a negative view. I hope you have a different view. Or I hope you have a greater view of God's authority and what he does uh, in that and with that, his authority and then the delegated, the authority that he delegates in his church. And we are talking about uh, the authority of God in the church and just authority, period, but mainly in the church. And so um, my piece of this is talking about the dangers of coming from under authority. And we know the benefits of that. We know that it brings peace and it brings uh, um, provision for our lives and protection for our lives, but we also need to understand the dangers of that, and so that's what I have been embarking to um, to teach and to um, bring an understanding of what that means. Uh, my objective for this teaching is one I said to expose the thought pattern of those who come from under authority. Two, to recognize signs and actions of those who come from under authority. And the third objective is to observe the results or dangers of coming from under authority. And we are talking about the dangers of coming from under authority uh, when it relates, as it relates to familiarity, being too familiar uh, with God and with God's people, his messengers, and then um, coming from under the dangers of coming from under authority due to circumstances and situations. And I can appreciate that song. Thank you for that song that you rendered a little while ago because it says that he reigns no matter what over my circumstance. He reigns no matter what. He still reigns. All power and authority is his and he reigns he reigns he reigns he reigns i mean that song just says it all no matter what he still reigns amen so we um so again thank you for that song it goes perfectly with uh this message this evening so we're going to push on because i have a place that i need to be a stopping point where i need that i need to get to so we're not going to do a lot of review as a matter of fact we're just going to pick up from where we left off uh, last week. And so we were talking about familiarity. And I want you to turn to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. And we're going to see, we're just going to dive right into this, and we're going to see some things. I don't know if I told you we're going to, Jesus is one example that we're going to use. We're going to use the example of Adam and Eve because we're going to see all three of those situations. Um, uh, getting from under or coming from under authority with familiarity, with under circumstance and situation, and through manipulation. So we're going to see all three of those things, uh, all three of those in uh, Genesis when we talk about Adam and Eve. So, but we're going to start with Mark chapter 6, and we're going to look uh, here in, and see this is uh, uh, relating to Jesus. Okay? So, Mark chapter 6. Verse 1, and he went out, Jesus, he went out from hence and came into his own country. That's important. He came into his own country, and his disciples follow him. And when the Sabbath day was come, so Sunday, if you will, when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. He began to teach in the church, at the church. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works 
are wrought by his hands. Is, th- is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Moses, and of Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk, and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went round about the villages teaching. So here we see that Jesus is in his own country. He's in his own hometown. He is with the homies, if you will. These are folks that he grew up with. These are folks that in the, we know that he was a carpenter. We, they say that they, they acknowledge that he was a carpenter. So these are folks that he worked with. These are clients of his, if you will, during his carpentry. These are his kinfolk, people he went to school with, people he probably traveled with. Remember, they went to him and his family. They went to festivals all the time, as as the the, the law and the commands and all of that, as they they saw fit to to prescribe. So his family did all of that. So all of these people, these people that uh, here that that was t- were talking about him, that he was teaching and ministering to, they knew him well. They knew him very well because he grew up, he he was 28 years he grew up before he started his travel, before he started his ministry, 28 years he was here in this country, in his hometown. And so let's, let's go back to the beginning. So here he's in his hometown. Verse 2, verse 2, it says, And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Now listen. Listen to this. First, I want you to see, remember, let let me remind you about um, the things that you can notice, those things that are familiar, signs of those who who come from under authority. I said that they take it for granted. They take God for granted. They take the word for granted. They take the people that the word comes through, the vessels, the delegated authority, they take them for granted. They stop noticing. They stop noticing the word. They stop applying the word to them because they become too familiar. Now they don't now now they're not sure who the message is from. Because they're too familiar with God, they're too familiar with this word, they're too familiar with the person who is bringing the word. They tend to discount or devalue the word that they hear. They tend to discount it and devalue the word that they hear. And their worship is affected. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about our worship when we lift our hands as a sign of submission when we in, in, together in this place and our praise and our worship. I'm not just talking about that, but that's also hindered. But I'm talking about your ability, your worship, your ability to lay down your life, your ability to lay aside your own thoughts, your own feelings, your ability to just yield to God. All of those things are hindered. That's your worship. Your true worship is what you do outside of this place. How you honor God, how you yield, how you bow down to him. That is your true worship. What we call worship in this place. Because you can, you can sing and you can say God reigns and he still reigns. You can say all of those things with your mouth. But how are you living outside of this place? So that's why I say true worship. Because this is not true worship when we're singing like this. True worship is what we do outside of this building. That's true worship. True worship is how we behave. True worship is how we act. True worship is how we respond. 
true, that, that is true worship. So here we see that they were astonished in verse 2. It says that they were astonished. Not because they were in awe of what he was saying. They were in awe of who was saying They were in awe of who was saying it. They were amazed at the things, the wisdom, the power, but they questioned the source. They questioned the source. So sometimes people question whether our pastor, our ministers, and our pastor, they question their motives about things. So surely Jesus knew these people. And so now, I mean, they're bringing into question, okay, so is he saying that because of what happened when we were in school? Is he saying that because of this or that when we were at work? Is he saying this or that? Now, remember, he's his own family. His own family. Now, we know, we know that Jesus, we know that Jesus never, because he could not sin, right? So we know that he never got so far off the track where he was uh, disrespecting his parents and he was doing all of that. But surely, and, and that, could, that could have been a thing too. He think he's just better than us, his sisters and his brothers. They could have been thinking of that. Who is he? He grew up in the same house that I did. We ate the same foods. We did the same things. Who is he to teach me anything? Too familiar. Too familiar. So sometimes we question the motives of those who minister to us as if they sit up at night and just dream of ways to just make your life miserable. They just want to talk about you. They just want to put your business in the street. Ain't nobody putting your, because nobody, nobody says your name. You think, it sounds like they're putting your business in the street, but they ain't said your name. They haven't said anything. They've only said what thus said the Lord. So you, if you want to blame anybody for putting your business out in the street, you blame God. But God didn't do it because he didn't call your name. That's only in your mind. So we sit there and we get offended by what the Spirit of the living God says because God has the authority to do and to say in whom, through whom, He wants to. And we're offended at the person that said it. We take offense. Instead of just saying... Again, we want you to value God's authority and what he does by his authority. Instead of saying, thank you, God, number one, that you didn't call my name during service. But thank you, God, that you did expose. I was trying to hide that. No, You can't hide nothing from God, but, but. We think if we're hiding it from people, that that's okay. That we're getting away with something. But God is saying, no, forget the people. Forget about them. You can't hide it from me. And because you can't hide it from me, and because you've been so stubborn trying to hold on to it, yeah, I'm just going to put it out there for everybody to hear. But again, he still ain't called your name. So we got to remember, remember that. So they took offense. They took offense to what Jesus was saying, all because of those things. Too familiar. They have become too familiar. When you question the intent and the motive of the person speaking instead of considering the message from God, you are coming from under authority. Point blank. When you take offense to what God is saying, when you take offense to the words that are being spoken, to the message that is being given to you, when you take offense to that, that shows disbelief in who is speaking and you come from under authority in doing that. Because remember that God's word is his authority. 
His word is his authority because that's how he speaks to us. Verse 3. Is not this. I want you to look at these words. Remember, words are important. We said that before. Words are very important. And you can't, don't, don't bypass any. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? Is not this the carpenter? Now they call Mary by name. They call Moses by name in here. They call James. They call, they call all this name. But Jesus now is a this. A this. They could have said, is, Jesus, is this Jesus the carpenter? No. Is this the carpenter? Right there, that's a sign of disrespect. Point blank, disrespect right there. You remember what I said last week about us uh, calling our pastor not? Is this not the founding pastor's wife? That's what that sounds like. Is this not? Is this not the mother of Isaiah and Isaac? That's what that sounds like. Plain disrespect. Instead of embracing the position and the role that she's in, is this not just Sister Hill? Now, I know it's not anybody in this room. I know it's not. I'm looking at these faces. I know it's not. But think about those. And I, again, I don't know. Some people have come back from the pandemic. Some have not. But whoever is listening by tape, by tape. I just dated myself. Yeah, yeah, I did. I said I'll be 50 next year. Okay, yeah. Okay, so by by audio, however they're hearing it, there are those who still have not embraced her current position and her role. And that that is coming from under authority. Because we have decided, in our minds, we've decided that... She, this woman, this whatever, whatever's in your mind that's, that's, that's keeping you from, from uh, accepting that, in your mind, this is what is going on. Instead of accepting the fact that God can do, that he's sovereign, and he can put with his power and his authority, he can put whomever he wants to in delegated authority and in position. We haven't accepted that and we haven't embraced that. Again, I'm not talking about anybody in this room. I'm talking about whoever's hearing. Whoever has an ear to hear, let them hear. And it's not, that, that's not going to hit everybody, but whoever is for, you know who it's for. If it's for you. So we see that. Common folk. So despite all that they had witnessed that God. Now remember, did not, uh, you may not know. This is the second time that Jesus had gone to his home, his home country. He went before. And it was the same thing. But despite what they said, despite the things that happened then, he came back a second time. That's how gracious God is. He's giving them a second chance. It's like the song said. He says, look, I'm reigning over your circumstances. I'm giving you, I'm going to give you a second chance. Because I still reign. So he had, this is his second go around, his second time coming to his home country. And they still are doing the same thing. Still doing the same thing. Look at verse 3 again. The son of Mary. Now, let me tell you what this means. The son of Mary. So, in these days, in the Israelites' times, in, in these days, not, not just Israelites, but, but even leading up that and, and then leading up to this point, it was a derogatory statement to say that you were of your mother. If you notice in the Bible, it all, you know, it always talks about the male factor, right? 
the father of, and she's the father of, the father of, the father of. And it's throughout the Bible, the father of. But here they say, isn't this, Joseph was in the picture. <laughs> Joseph was in the picture. So they could have said, Isn't he the son of Joseph? They didn't. Derogatory. Isn't this the son of Mary? Derogatory. The brother of James and Moses and of Judah and Simon are not his sisters here with He says, listen, all these folks we grew up with, they with us. Who is he? They are with us. Who is he? Too familiar. They took offense to him. They knew, they, knew that Je- they knew Jesus and they knew him well. He grew up there in Nazareth 28 years and they took offense to him and clearly disrespect. So we see all throughout. So we, so we see with the disrespect, with them not, um, with them not taking seriously what he's saying because now they're even questioning the source. We can see now how they came into unbelief. So when we look at verse 5, it says, and he, could, and he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the village's teaching. So we see here that being too familiar, not accepting the authority of God, that will lead to your disbelief. It will lead you to disbelief. When you come from under authority, because of familiar, familiarity, that will lead you to disbelief. Why? Because we said last week that you hinder your own ability. You hinder your own ability to, to, to grow because the word that God is trying to get to you, you're taking offense to it because of who's saying it. And you're not allowing the Spirit of God, His authority, to teach, to minister to you through, whom he, through whom he, whomever He wants to minister to. And you allow yourself to do that and you are hindering your own progress you're hindering your own protection. Remember I told you, you forfeit the right. You forfeit the right to grow. You forfeit the right to understand his word. You forfeit protection. When he tries to protect you from things, you're forfeiting all of that. When he brings his word, he, it does a lot of things. It admonishes. It corrects. It protects. It tries to keep you from things that you would ordinarily do. God is trying to keep you from doing it. He warns us of things. He encourages us. All of that. His word and his authority brings about all of that. And you forfeit. You forfeit. And we just don't, we don't see. We, we cannot see the fact. Because it, for first of all, because it's right now. And sometimes it's not right now. That, that you're going to see it, but you will see it on the other side. You will see it on the back end. And then sometimes you even see it then. I told you, when you have, when there's, there's always trouble, it seems like trouble is always coming to you. Like, like trouble, like, it's always something. It's always something. Always something. Always something with your finances. Always something with, with your relationships. It's always something at work. It's always something with the boss. It's always something with the coworkers. It's always something with the neighbors. It's, I mean, you just, you, just, it's just, you just have troubles. And what did I say? More than likely, you having all those troubles and trouble is always finding you that way. It's because you're from under authority in some area if not more than one. And I dare say, if you're from under authority in one area, you're from under authority in a lot of areas. If you're from under, if you're from under God's authority, period, then you cannot tell me that you're under the authority of 
everybody else and everything else that you're supposed to be. That's just not true. Can't be. Verse 4. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. So he's saying that wherever else a prophet might be honored, wherever else they might be honored, you cannot or you won't be honored in your own setting with the people that know you the most. Now that's that's sad. That's sad. That you can get honor from anybody else in any place, but you can't get it. That shows how much you devalue. When a person who, and that's why the scripture says to know them who labor among you. You ought to know by now, even from our founding pastor, you ought to know by now, you, ought to, you have seen, you have seen, you have been witness, you have been witness, and you have seen, and a lot of us have been here for years, and we've seen and we've witnessed not only how the word and the word, the word works and the word is given through them, have been through our founding pastor, has been through our current pastor, and how we've seen things come to fruition, how God works, how God, how the word works in their lives, and how they're ministering that same word, the integrity that they have, all of those things, we've witnessed it. We've witnessed it. Because I'd be the first to say, I wouldn't be here. And I'd be the first to say, then you should run. You shouldn't be here. If we were not witnessing the things that we are witnessing and have been witnessing in this ministry. If I didn't see the integrity, I wouldn't. I couldn't. Because how are you going to teach me if... You're not living and walking it. But that's why we're here, because we see. Not in Jesus' case, but among humankind, period. Dishonor comes. We dishonor people. If you think about it, you dishonor people when you see their weaknesses. That's where dishonor comes. When you're able to see their weaknesses, when you're able to see weaknesses up front and up close, that's when we tend to dishonor people. Think about it. Think about the people that you've talked about. I, you know, I'm not saying you talk about them now, but you've talked about them in the past. And I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not even talking about the, your past. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about people that you know, that you talked about. Because you saw their weaknesses, because you saw they were on drugs, because you saw that they were stealing, because you saw that they were sleeping outside of marriage, because you saw that they committed adultery, because you saw their weaknesses up close. And that's when we tend to dishonor people, because we see their weaknesses up close. So then we don't even have to go necessarily go that far with, with, with our pastors and, you know, because we don't necessarily see all those kinds of things. But it could be any, any little thing that you consider a weakness. But not remembering that they are people. They're people first. So any little thing that you might see, and that's why it says you take it to God, right? You take it to God because they are people too. And that's why we pray for our leadership. That's why we pray for them. Because they are people too. They are human too. They're not hurting anybody intentionally. 
They don't hurt people intentionally. Again, again, I, that's like I said too at the beginning that that sometimes we even take offense to some of the things that they say because we think we perceive. When it's not the case. So you can't even, again, it's not in God's, in God's case, but even if you see, not in Jesus' case, but even if you see a weakness in your leadership, even if you see a weakness in your leadership, that is not room for you to come from under authority. It's not. You take those things to God. You take them to God. You let, allow him because they are his servants. And you stay under authority. You stay right where you're supposed to be. Under authority. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Stay with me. If you've got to stand up so you can stay awake so you can hear, please do. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's look at verse 8. And the scripture reads, For for though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, and this is Paul talking, which the Lord hath given us for edification and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed. Here he is saying, this is Paul speaking, he is saying that he has been given authority, which the Lord gave for edification and not for your destruction. Listen, edification comes in a lot of forms. And we think, you know, edification, you should be encouraging me. And we don't even know necessarily what encouragement is. That we should be saying, you know, say the, all the good things to me. That's how you edify me. You build me up. You say, you say how good I am. And you say how spiritual I am. And you say, that those are the things that's going to edify me. But no, correction edifies. Reproof, rebuke, correction. That edifies you. Why? Because that's bringing you to another level. Edification is simply, is simply lifting up a person. Correction lifts you up. It lifts you out of that, those dark places. It lifts you out of that funk that you might be in. It lifts you out. And it helps to uh, encourage. It helps to uh, um, bring you to and lift you up to another level. If you take it. If you allow the correction, that's what it will do. If you stay under the authority of that, that's will, that is what it will do for you. Remember, valuing, we, we got to remember and to, to, to change our mindset about the value of authority and the value of submission and staying under submission. God is trying to get you to the next level in him. And he does that through his correction. He does that through his word. When your pastor says something to you that you might think, when, when, when she says something to you that, 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 might, that might bring up um, um, something that, that needs correcting in your life, just, just whatever it is, you take it for what it is. And not for what you want it to be. Not the offense. Don't take, it's easy to take the offense. But no, you need to look at it as God so loved me that he gave me a pastor. God so loved me that he sent his word to correct me. God so loves me. Why? Because he could leave you in that state that you're in and you would go straight to hell. (laughs) But no! He says, I got something that I need to do in you so that I can do something through you. He wants to set you up to be, he is trying to set you up to be a blessing to his kingdom, to those you come in contact with. See, that's the mindset. He's setting me up. He's not trying to set me back. He's setting me up. 
for something greater. Oh, see, y'all got to get excited. Y'all not excited about that. Y'all not excited about that. I know. And that the word says that for, for that time, when, we, when it comes, we, no, it doesn't feel good. And sometimes you feel so small just sitting in that seat. It's just like I'm dwindling like the, like, you know, uh, uh, the wicked witch. I'm melting, I'm melting. I mean, that, that's the way you feel. You feel little. I get it. Been there. Been there. Okay? But I didn't stay there. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is not to belittle me. No, no, it's not. This is to help me grow. And I'm going to push. And that discouragement, when it feels like discouragement to me, it's really not, no, i got to change that around. That's encouragement. That's encouragement. That's for my edification. That's to build me up. That's to lift me. And that's the mindset. That's the mindset. I see. I don't. I, I used to. I used to go. I used to go to the to the um, the negative first. I used to go to oh, you know. I used to, but I had to change my mindset. And that's what we want you to do: change your mindset. So when you can, when you hear it, then you can say, "Thank you, Lord." That you love me. Thank you, Lord, that you love me. I remember, and I think I've said this before, when I went to college, I used to, well, you know, at, at home, I, I grew up in a real strict household. You know, my first date was my prom, you know, all that. You wear makeup at a certain time in, in stages. You could wear lipstick when you were 16. You could do this when you were this age. You could do, you know, all, really strict. But I got to college, and I'm going, I was about to say first semester, probably the first couple of weeks of school. You see all the hoochies come out. You know, they have to leave the first semester because they've gotten pregnant. Again, not in the semester, in the first couple of weeks of school. All of that. And then I had to call my mama. I called my mama. And I said, thank you. <laughs> thank you. It, wasn't, it didn't feel good at the time. Yeah, because I wanted to do a whole lot of stuff that I saw a whole lot of other people doing. And it didn't feel good. But when I saw the devastations of what my life could have been, had she just let me do what I wanted to do, I had to say thank you. Not perfect. I'm not perfect by no stretch of the imagination. And I'm not saying I'm better than any of those girls who did and all. I'm not saying that either. All I'm saying is, is that I was thankful for the upbringing at that point, I was thankful for the upbringing that I had gone through because of all that I think how my life could have been. That's a note for somebody. For somebody. Don't let it be 25 years, you 25, you 30, you start having your own children before you appreciate what your parents do for you. See, it's easy to appreciate them when you start having your own children because now you see what you put them through. Don't wait that late. You need to think about it. Talk to God about it. Think about that right now. Second Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2. Chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the word, verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and what? Doctrine. 
those that God has placed in authority, he has done that. He has told them to preach the word, to be instant, to be instant in season and out of season. He's told them to reprove, to rebuke, to exhort with long-suffering, that's patience, long-suffering, and doctrine with the word. That's it right there. They're doing it with the word. So if you take offense to anything, you can only take offense to the word. They exercise authority. Those in delegated authority, they exercise that authority according to the word and by the Holy Spirit. Remember that Jesus gave overseers the authority. Jesus is the authority in the church. He gave overseers the authority, the dunamis. Remember, the dunamis, they have the might to act as God reigns, as the Holy Spirit reigns in them and through them. They've been given the dunamis that reigns in them. And through them. Genesis chapter 3. Let's look at, we're going to pull this together with circumstances and manipulation. Genesis chapter 3, in the uh, time that I have left here. All right. So we know what this is about. Verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Verse 2. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat, as he asked her. Shall you eat of, of, every, of every tree of the garden? The woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree... Which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said to the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as, as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, and what is that? We know what that is. That is the, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life right there all in verse 6. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. So this is what we need to see here. That Eve fell into the trap of ye shall be as gods. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You must stay. Circumstances and situations. You must stay with God's instruction despite of what you perceive as gain. You have to stay with God's instructions despite what you perceive as gain. So she perceived that if she uh, ate of this tree, of God, that you shall be as gods over your own life. You do what you want to do. It's your thing. Do what you want to do. That's what she saw. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. She said, it was good for food. This is what I want. Okay, this is going to be good to me. Good to my belly. And that it was pleasant to the eyes. And a tree to be desired to make one wise. Who doesn't want to be wise? She let all of it, she let that circumstance, she let under that circumstance, and she came from under the authority that she had been set under. We're coming back. Am I going to go? No, I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to stay right here for the sake of time. So we need to, so we see here all of that that she went through. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Because the enemy said... He promised her some gain. That you would be as gods. So many times we come from under authority because of the things that we want. We want to get married. We want this promotion. We want this. We want that. I want to buy this when God has already told me I need to get out of debt and save. But I want this. 
And no doubt he's spoken to some people during that time and he said you need to cut back on this, you need to do that, you need to. But because we're used to living a certain type of lifestyle, because we're used to this and we're used to that, we're used to the conveniences. So because you want convenience, that's a circumstance or a situation, you come from under God's authority so that you can have and do and, and have what you want. God has told you something. He's spoken to your heart about something. And you're still holding on to it. He's told you to get rid of it. He's told you to take it back. He's told you to sell it. He's told you to cut this off. He's told you to cut cable off. Dish network. Have you done it? It's quiet. I know it's quiet. He's told you, don't go out to eat so much. Uh-huh. He said, go shopping. Do some, make some, make some groceries. I don't know, you know, that's kind of southern, I guess. Go make some groceries. Don't eat out so much. Cook. You can save that money. That money can go, you know what? That 50, that $100 you do a week doing that, probably more than that, especially if you got children. No, that money, I want you to save that. I want you to put that towards that credit card bill along with what you already pay so we can knock that down. No, I want you to put that money that, you, that you're spending on that, I want you to put that in the bank. Save it. Why? Because something else is coming. Only you know what God has spoken to you, but he's spoken. He has spoken. He's spoken once and twice have I heard. You heard him twice too. And you still haven't done it. Because the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes... And the pride of life. I just want to do what I want. What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong with me going out to eat? Ain't nothing wrong. I got to eat. You don't have to eat out. God's authority. Don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at me. I don't care, but don't be mad at me. I'm just saying. What thus said the Lord. So if you want to take offense to what I've said, you just take it up. He didn't even call your name. See how good he is? He didn't call your name. But he did put it out there because you're trying to hold on to it. So he said, no, we got to expose that. Situations and circumstances, I think you get that. Manipulation. What is Manipulation. So coming from under authority because of manipulation. Manipulation is when you try to manage or influence skillfully in an unfair manner to suit your own purpose or advantage. You try to manage people. Think about it. I'm trying to manage a person. You're trying to manage a person. You're trying to manage a situation. Or you're trying to influence a person. Or you're trying to influence a situation skillfully. That means you're taking your time to get some things done. You're setting it up. You're aligning it in an unfair manner to suit your own purpose or your own advantage. Manipulation. Manipulation shows a lack of trust in God's sovereignty because you think that you have to put your hands on it. You think you have to manipulate it. You think you have to do something with it in order for it to go your way. In practicing manipulation, you are taking things into your own hands. You're taking things into your own hands instead of leaving them in the hands of God. Instead of leaving it in the hands of God, you are manipulating the situation or you're trying to manipulate a person 
for your own purpose, for your own advantage. And some people are manipulative by nature just because they have strong wills. Some people are. The word of God makes a difference. Luke chapter 16. Turn to Luke chapter 16. Let's look at verse 15. And he said, verse 14, And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. God knoweth your hearts. You try to justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. So trying to justify yourself, number one. Manipulation. Manipulation comes in that form when you try to justify yourself in the eyes of the delegated authority while God, all the while, God knows your heart. Lying is a form of manipulation. Why? Because you want someone to believe something and you try to justify yourself in these lies. Instead of just taking ownership that, yes, I did something wrong, now I'm going to lie so I can try to justify myself. And you are attempting to get someone to believe something that's not true so that you can influence or you can sway their decision for your benefit. That's manipulation. Trying to justify yourself. Lying. And remember, omitting things is a lie. I'm, uh, I'm omitting information that I really should be giving. I'm omitting that because I'm trying to sway or influence a decision that somebody else has to make. We lie to cover up the decision for our, for our parents the decision for them to give us a spanking. Manipulation. So I'm going to lie to justify myself so that I can sway their decision for my benefit. That's plain and simple. Trying to justify yourself. That's a simple, simple illustration. Number two, bragging on your accomplishments and your abilities. God knowing your intention and your motive, but you brag on your accomplishments and your abilities to influence. So you're not telling, okay, so yeah, I do this, uh, you, you want to do something in the church. Oh, well, I'm good at this and I'm good at that. You're not saying it. Again, God knows your heart, the intentions of your heart. You're not saying it because you're really saying, yes, this, I can help in this situation. And this is what I've done and this is what I can do. No, you are wanting to brag on your abilities and your accomplishments because you, you just want to be over something. I just want to be over that. So I'm going to tell her everything that I've done, every, all my accomplishments, everything, this worked at home and this worked at work and this, this worked. Again, the motives of the heart. I'm not saying the motives of the heart. I'm not telling you what your motives are. I'm saying God knows your motives. That's what I'm telling you. So it's one thing to say, you know, Pastor Hill, I, I, I can do this. I do this at work or I've, I've done this at work and this has worked well or whatever. That's one thing. God knows your heart. He knows the motives. He knows why you're doing it. Manipulation can't be seen. It can be experienced. And most importantly in that is that manipulation is something that God knows. That's the main thing. On the outside, oh, you look good when you're you know, telling, you, you're telling us what you can do so that you can help. It looks good. But God knows the heart. Number three, shifting blame. 
You shift blame to others by not taking responsibility for your own actions. Look at this in, oh, we're in Luke. Let's go to Genesis. We're going to spend the rest of our time here in the few minutes that I have. Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, we see that, look at verse, look at verse uh, 6. Let's start with 6. Genesis 3 and 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired, to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband. So here we see in verse 6 that Eve gave to her husband with her. She used her influence. No doubt she didn't want to be by herself. Okay, I'm going to eat of this because it's good. It's good for the eyes. It's good and it's going to make us wise. And listen, you're going to come and you're going to go with me. Influence. And we know how those women, I can imagine she batted her eyes and all of that. You know how the enemy presents? He makes it look good. So I can just imagine she went to her husband with all those lashes and those curves with this apple. See, I'm eating. Now you eat. I'm eating. Now you eat. Influence. All for her good. Manipulation. Using people for your own purpose. That's number four. We're going to come back to number three. We're going to see it in Adam. Using people for your own purpose. Practicing manipulation as deceit. Persuading others to be on your side as a leverage. You see people trying to get people on their sides because they want to do something. They want to change something. They don't think this is right. They don't think that's right. They want to get people on the How many people can I? That leveraging. Using people for your own purpose. Trying to placing things in their minds. Sowing things in their minds, planting things in their minds so they can think like you think. Leveraging. Verse 12, Genesis 3 and 12. And the man said to the woman, whom thou. And the woman said, the, uh, I'm sorry. And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me. She gave me of the tree, and I did eat. So now, he's shifting blame. Adam is shifting blame. He's shifting blame on God, the woman you gave me. He's shifting blame on God, and he's shifting blame on Eve. Manipulation. That's manipulation. You shift the blame, not taking responsibility for your own actions, by trying to justify yourself, you're distracting from yourself, you're deflecting from yourself, you're trying to redirect the attention away from yourself. And that's exactly what he was doing. Probably hoping, he, he didn't know what was coming down the pipeline. Though so you said we were going to die, no, kill her. Because she gave it to me. Or you can't kill nobody because you gave her. Shift and blame. That's manipulation. Using flattery. Using flattery. Turn to Matthew chapter 22. Really quick. Matthew 22. And we're going to close with this scripture. Twenty-two. Let's look at verse 15. 22, 15. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they may entangle him, talking about Jesus, in his talk. And they sent out unto him their disciples with the heritons, saying, Master. Now when did they call him Master? We're talking about the Pharisees. We know that thou art true and teachest the way of God in truth. Really? 
Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? Flattery. Flattery. Using flattery to get what you want. They were trying to manipulate God, using flattery to try to catch him in something. Manipulation. Hidden agendas. Having a hidden agenda and manipulating the situation or trying to manipulate the person to try to get your way and to get something that you want done just for your own purposes. Manipulation. Trying to justify yourself. Bragging on your accomplishments and your abilities with God knowing your true motive. Shifting blame on others and not taking responsibility for your own actions. Using people for your own purposes and using flattery. All of those things are related to manipulation. And that's coming from under God's authority. That comes from under God's authority. And I'm out of time. But I hope that you got something out of these lessons that we've been teaching. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. Thank you.